Buckingham Palace broke with centuries of tradition and British history. The palace broke the news that King Charles had cancer. After the announcement was made recently, he traveled back to London to begin treatment. Secrecy still remains as to what type of cancer the new king has contracted. People in public haven't always shared anything of an illness, I'm sure for fear it would harm their image. In the case of King Charles, Prince Harry flew to see his father last Friday on Good Morning America, even expressing a desire that his father's cancer would bring healing for the great rifts that have recently plagued the royal family. I'm reminded of President Franklin Roosevelt. Few pictures ever leaked. Most people didn't know he couldn't even walk after contracting polio confined to a wheelchair. Special ramps built for public appearances. Why not openness, willingness to ask and receive prayer? For Christians, we pray for each other. Jesus, the great physician. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series that we're continuing today following Jesus through cancer. And here with me is Haven's new president and host, David Wolin. Good to be with you, Charles. And today we're getting into, I guess, a time machine of sorts. We're going back nine years to an interview that you did with Pastor Andy McQuitty before you got your own cancer diagnosis, which we talked about that on the program yesterday. And I was listening to Andy's interview, the one that you did with him, and I was so deeply encouraged, Charles. We tend to think of stories like this as a brush with death, uh, but... Each person this week that we're having on the program, they articulate a different story. It's less like a brush with death and more like a meeting with Jesus, wouldn't you say? I certainly would. And that comes out in this interview that we're going to share again. Medically speaking, Andy had been given a death sentence by his doctor in Dallas, Texas. The diagnosis was not only that he had cancer, but he was likely to die of that cancer. And so he started thinking about that. He started journaling about it. And his church, Irving Bible Church, started joining him in prayer about it. And in the end, God spared him. He's alive today with a story to tell. It's only superficially about cancer. Really, it's about his Savior. And I think if you're listening today, you'll be blessed by this story. So I invite you to stick around to hear this special interview. And Dr. Andy McQuitty's book is Notes from the Valley, A Spiritual Travelogue Through Cancer. Now, maybe you hear travelogue, and you're thinking of someone like Rick Steves and walking you through a basilica in Europe and pointing out the things to anticipate if you visit, to be sure to notice. But of course, cancer or another major diagnosis, that's a journey no one wants to take. But if you're on that journey, or a loved one is, well, this book was written for your sake, uh, to help walk alongside you and to help you walk with Jesus through it, because you don't have to go through hard times alone. So we want you to stay with us. We want to share this book with you, Notes from the Valley. It was there for me when I went through cancer a couple of years back. All you need to do is call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, and we ask for your financial support. But then be sure and ask for a copy of this book on cancer. We'll get it to you right away. You can also visit us on our website after the program. And if you do, be sure and watch the video that we shot with Andy. The book is called Notes from the Valley, A Spiritual Travelogue Through Cancer. 
and our website is haventoday.org, haventoday.org. So let's get the program started now. We're going to open with Matt Redman and a great song that we haven't had on the program in a while. You never let go. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near. And I will fear no evil For my God is with me And if my God is with me Whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? We're not in Southern California. We are in Dallas. We're in Irving, Texas, and I'm in the pastor's study at Irving Bible Church. Uh, Reverend Dr. That sounds pretty formal. Andrew <laughs> McQuitty, welcome for the very first time to our program. Thank you, Charles. Let's just go with Andy. I want to read something that you wrote, and then I want you to comment on it, and then we'll get talking together. Along with those long nights, getting good with dying entailed completing some important practical projects. I spent days getting my life insurance in order, planning my own funeral. I have a file folder now with music, speaker, scriptures, slideshow ideas. It's going to be a lively affair. And having the remarriage talk with my dear Alice. I assume that's your wife, that Andy. my wife of 36 years. But the most important element for me in getting good with dying was sweating the question that kept poking me in the eye every time I tried to pray, is God really good? Mm. Tell me the backstory yeah. for those words. It's an amazing turnabout to have served the Lord as a pastor for many, many years, walked with Christ as a Christian for most of my life. I'm 59 now. I was 53 when I was diagnosed with cancer. And I became a believer of trusted Christ when I was five. Mm. To have lived my whole life basically with faith in God and living my life and doing the best I could to serve the Lord, and then to suddenly, out of the blue, just one day be sitting at my desk minding my own business and get a phone call from a doctor who said to me, Andy, you have cancer, and it's serious. Get in here now. It is almost an instantaneous 
transferal of, of your, your mind and even your body to a new land, a new place. I call it cancer land. I call it the valley, mm-hmm. the valley of the shadow of death. You even named your colon cancer, too. Yes. I, I'm sorry. Your yes. wife might not appreciate me saying that either. But but it, you called your colon cancer colon. That's right. That's right. Colon it, cancer. It, I called it colon cancer. And, you know, you have to you have to come to grips with this new change very quickly because you're not given any warning about this. And so um, to suddenly get the diagnosis and realize the seriousness of it, it was stage four, uh, mm. which means that mm. the, the tumor broke through the walls of the, uh, of the colon. It, it had uh, traveled through my lymph system all over the bo- my body, had a couple of tumors, and uh, pretty much they gave me an 8% chance of survival. Mm. And so you, you have to do some, some, some spiritual and mental and emotional gymnastics in those, in those early days to come to grips with the new reality of the situation. And, and uh, that's what I call getting good with dying. Mm. And I don't mean to be flippant when I say it that way. I don't mean that uh, you, you, you become cheerful and happy and think this is the greatest thing since mm-hmm. sliced bread, that mm-hmm. I'm going to die. By getting good with dying, I mean coming to grips with the eternal realities, renewing your faith, and resetting your sights for how we're going to do this last little bit of the journey. Mm. You know, it, it's interesting. You're pastoring a very large church by most church standards, a Bible church here in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area, especially for a senior pastor or an executive of a large corporation or whatever. You don't live as if you're going to die. You don't think that way, do you? No, you don't. You think you're going to live forever? And it is not just a scourge of pastors of churches and CEOs of corporations who are always tasked with looking ahead. I, I think it's kind of a scourge of our culture. Yes. The whole, uh, yes. I, I'm immortal. Uh, you know, it comes out in, in our, you know, our quest to eat healthy and work out and have, mm-hmm. have a perfect body subtext so that we will live forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you don't ever really plan on dying. And and that actually is one of the great benefits that I experienced that, you know, going through this valley of the shadow of death, fighting cancer for two years with two major surgeries, 18 months of chemotherapy, most of that time thinking that my time was very limited, taught me some wonderful things about how to approach death. And the first important thing that it taught me is that approaching death ought to be the first thing that the living do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that we don't, you know, it's kind of ironic that, that people wait until they get in the valley of the shadow of death with some mortal disease like cancer mm-hmm. before they give the first thought to it. And one of the things that, it, that struck me whenever I came into this valley was, you know, how silly of me to have lived 53 years of my life without really considering the end of my days mm-hmm. and how that should affect the way that I spent every minute of my remaining days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact is, when we come into the valley of the shadow of death through some mortal illness like cancer, we think that we have left the land of the living and we're entering into the land of the dying. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the key insight that you quickly learn when you enter the valley is no. If you're a person of faith, you believe in Christ and heaven and salvation, and, and, and being part of God's forever family, you're not in the land of the 
living, going into the land of the dying. Death is leaving the land of the dying to the land of the living. Mm-hmm. And that's the great hope. It is the hope that and, Christians have. And, and, and it is a hope that prescribes the practical priorities of how we spend our time and how mm. we live our lives. Mm. And uh, I don't mind giving it away because it's really what the whole book is about. One of the surprises that I bring out at the very uh, – in the afterthoughts, in mm-hmm. the epilogue of the mm-hmm. book is that I have written this whole book purportedly for people who are in the valley of the shadow of death because mm-hmm. they have cancer. Mm-hmm. May or may not die. Probably will. Maybe not. But what I what I actually admit at the end of the book is that this is not just for cancer patients. Right. This right. is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Because there's nobody that's alive today that's going to live forever. We're all in the valley of the shadow of death, not to be morbid about it, but some of the great church fathers and people like Jonathan Edwards and others through church history have always said in Solomon himself, you know, it is wise to go to the place of the dead. It is wise to think upon our end, not so that we can be morbid and unhappy, but so that we can think how how best should I use the time that I have left, whether it's a month, whether it's a year, whether it's 50 years. Mm-hmm. We're all approaching death, and the best life is a life that is lived in anticipation of dying well. Mm-hmm. And our listeners can surmise right now that uh, the Lord spared you for another season. He said he wasn't quite through with you yet. But yet, what, what do you take out of that? Here you are still pastoring, senior pastor, large church, and yet I've got a hunch you don't look at your pastoring in the same way as you did before you knew you had colon cancer. Absolutely. It is a, it is a huge sea change. In my whole perspective, the perspective that I have as a pastor is absolutely different. It, I'm mm-hmm. a changed man. But the irony is that the practical things that I do as a pastor are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still responsible to, to, to lead a staff and to, and to preach sermons and to, and to get the gospel out and to, and to minister to people. But I have been told many times from, from people here at our church and even outside that there's something very different about me since I survived cancer. And I would imagine even your preaching is not the same as it was it before. It is not. You cannot help but be changed, I think, for, for the better by having a brush with your own mortality. I, I, I think it was Winston Churchill who once said that there's not a more exhilarating feeling than to be shot at without result. Hmm. You know, because it puts you in the position of having to contemplate the fact that you're not going to live forever and you may die soon. Mm. And then when you survive that, it gives you a whole new perspective about the value of every minute of your life, mm. the the preciousness of love, the, the depth of blessing of relationships, all things which I take for granted often, but no more. Yeah, yeah, you certainly don't. If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today. We're coming to you from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, North Texas, and we're with Andy McQuitty. He's the senior pastor of Irving Bible Church, and he's written a new book called Notes from the Valley, His Own Experience Through Cancer. Andy, it was 18 months for you. 
not everybody listening has had cancer. Tell us a little bit about this experience. You make it sound so easy as we're in conversation right now. Uh, but there are other listeners we have who are undergoing chemo like you did right now, and Absolutely. they're hanging on to what you're saying. I don't ever want to give the impression that this is an easy journey. I do want to assure people of faith that it is a blessed journey. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who came up to me after I, the very first Sunday I announced my diagnosis with cancer. I've always been open and transparent with our congregation about mm-hmm. every step of this thing. And my dear friend, his name is Matt, came up to me and he hugged my neck afterwards. And he says, Andy, and he's a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're in for the hardest experience of your life, mm-hmm. but also the most blessed. Mm-hmm. That's what he said to me. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, I did a double take because I did not really buy it at that point. And I I thanked him very much for that. But as I went through those 18 months with surgery and recovering from surgery and 18 months of of chemotherapy, with all of the unpleasantness that that is involved with it, I found that what he had told me is true, Mm. that Mm. often the most blessed experiences of your life come as a result of being extruded through trial right, right. and difficulty in places, in, in narrow places where you find God faithful and alive and real, mm. that uh, is just beautiful. And so I have taken to saying to other friends when they have been diagnosed with cancer since that uh, mm-hmm. experience in my life, the same thing that Matt told me. Mm-hmm. This is the hardest experience of your life. And and it really is. I mean, just practically speaking, um, a drug protocol or regimen mm-hmm. uh, for colon cancer, which is called Folfox, mm-hmm. and it consists of three, like, radioactive mm-hmm. <laughs> drugs that in combination form this powerful cocktail that, that completely messes up your your nervous system it, it gives you neuropathy in mm. your in your extremities it, it it causes your your taste buds to be fried and you can't even taste your food one of the drugs creates a a condition where you can't touch or swallow anything cold mm. and if you do your larynx could seize up and you could actually suffocate i mean so the side effects the side effects of this are almost are as bad awful. as the cancer Itself. And you're having to undergo these these treatments, and uh, you know, uh, you know, you could even watch the drugs drip into your system and know what they're doing, which is they're trying to bring you as close to killing you with this stuff as possible without killing you, because it'll kill the cancer. What you're really doing in this new book, you wrote it as you were staring down death, and you know you're going to die, but in a whole different way today. In that 18 months. How did Jesus move in closer to you? You've got some great stories in this book. But you personally, Andy, Mm -hmm. I know he was there. You say that in your book. Uh, There are so many ways, Charles. I think that for me, it was grappling with the very fundamental questions of life that came up when I was diagnosed that caused me to draw closer to Christ and to sense that actually he was drawing close to me. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think these questions, uh, you know, I, I think the very first question that people deal with whenever they get a disease like this is why? 
Why me? Yes, yes. And I, I don't think just because you're a Christian, you don't answer that question. Right. Uh, I think perhaps if, if you are a Christian, if you are a person of faith, you ask the question even more belligerently. Mm-hmm. Why me, God? Good grief. I'm a pastor. I've, I've given my life to <laughs> building your church, serving <laughs> your people, and getting your word out, and, and preaching the gospel. And I'm, I'm being very transparent and here, but yet I, it I'm, is going, you, I'm going, right? God, um, come on. I mean, is there no quid pro quo here? Sure. Uh, evidently not. And I think that this, this is a healthy process to go through. In mm. any of mm. your listeners who, who have suddenly been plunged into this valley of the shadow of death, do not succumb to the false teaching that Christians ought not ever question God mm. or to express their emotions fully. There is a rich tradition in Scripture called lament. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot half, of psalms. <laughs> 73 of 150 psalms are lament psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you read the prophets, especially Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Mm-hmm. You, you, Jesus himself in Matthew 27, when he cries out to God, why have you forsaken me? That's an honest question. Mm-hmm. And it's asked by the Son of God, our Lord. So it can't be wrong. Right. I think that it's an important process to go through to lament, to be honest with your emotions, to ask the why me question. Because it actually gets you down to brass tacks with God. And only when you get there to that place of utter honesty can you begin to understand what God is saying to you back, because there are answers to that Mm. question, why me? Mm. I think the biggest answer that came to me was realizing that the Lord really is, he is my father, he is my heavenly father, and I'm his child, Mm. And, and he is proud of me as his son, and he is using me and he is blessing me, and that even this cancer is part of his working in my life to bring about beauty and character and glory for his glory and my good. Mm. And uh, I believe that my experience of, of coming around to seeing the goodness of God in my life uh, started when I stopped asking the why me question and I started asking well why not me Mm -hmm. what should make me immune in this broken world a broken people where where sin has broken us what should make me immune to suffering or trial even even getting cancer disease disease yes Uh, just because I'm a person of faith in fact when the scripture says that God brings us through these experiences ultimately to do great good in our lives, mm. in us and through us. Mm. Andy McQuitty, Irving Bible Church, thank you for joining me here on Haven today. My pleasure, and God bless you, and God bless your, your listeners, especially those who are going through the valley. Mm. They're not alone, and there's beauty there. Mm. Amen. This is Haven Today and a program called Following Jesus Through Cancer. I'm David Wolin. With me, Charles Morris. And Charles, I was so deeply touched by this interview you did with Dr. Andy McQuitty. Well, it was a special afternoon uh, that our producer, Troy Lambert, and I spent when we visited uh, Andy's church in Irving, Texas, not far from where the Dallas Cowboys play football. And that was almost 10 years ago, but as I shared yesterday... I thought about my time with him as I was facing skin cancer, melanoma, a couple of years ago. 
and I found comfort all over again by what he said. And that's why we want to invite everyone to join Andy McQuitty on a personal journey through his Valley of Cancer. His book is called Notes from the Valley. It's easy to read. It's a highly transparent journal, as he thought he was going to die. The doctor told him he was going to die. His church thought he was going to die, but that's not what the Lord had in mind for him. And tomorrow, we'll get an update from Andy about the last decade and how he's still today cancer-free. Mm, such good news. But, Charles, we know that death and battling serious terminal illness of really any kind, that's a difficult topic, especially if it's hitting close to home for one of our listeners, maybe in their life or that of a loved one. And some of us really have a knee-jerk reaction of avoidance when we hear topics like these. But that interview we just heard, Charles, that is a testimony to the fact that Christ is greater than our fear of mortality and that there is, in fact, peace to be found. That Jesus does make good on his promises, rest and peace among the most precious. And that's what this book is about, that there's a purpose for the time and a purpose for seasons of suffering, that Christ is with us. Well, the book is called, one more time, Notes from the Valley, and it's our thank you for your gift to support Haven Ministries, to keep us sharing Christ with others, even with people who are looking at death. So why don't you go there right now to our website, make your gift at Haven Today, but ask for Notes from the Valley, haventoday.org, or you can certainly call us at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800 800- 65 Haven. I'm Charles Morris. And I'm David Wolman. Thanks for joining us. Come back again tomorrow when on Wednesday, together, we get to share the life-saving story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your walk with Jesus, I'm David Wolman with Haven Today, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. By the end of February, baseball players have begun meeting at spring training facilities all over the country. For some, baseball is the first sign of the winter season finally coming to an end. But there's another sign that winter is ending. It's rain. And it's good. We need rain to survive. Rain provides nourishment for crops. Zechariah 10 verse 1 tells us where the rain comes from. Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who sends the thunderstorms. He gives showers of rain to all people and plants of the field to everyone. So if you get a little rain today, just know it's the taste of a new season and you can thank the Lord for it. Get more daily encouragement from God's Word with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.